Welcome to the Castlery Security Cybercast, your trusted source for navigating the intricate landscape of cybersecurity. In an era where digital threats are surging and data breaches are rampant, the imperative to shield both personal and corporate information has never been more critical. Join us as we dissect cutting-edge insights and developments, empowering you to fortify your defenses against the escalating tide of cyber perils. And now, here's your hosts, the founders of Castlery Security, Austin Farrell and Josh Hawk. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome back to another enlightening episode of Castlery Cybercast. I'm Austin, and as always, I'm thrilled to guide you through the maze of cybersecurity events and best practices. Today, we peel back the layers of a type of threat that isn't often discussed, but it is arguably one of the most perilous insider threats. Every time we start one of these episodes, I feel like I'm sitting down for the premiere of a blockbuster movie. Insider threats... It sounds like something out of a suspense thriller. Are we talking about espionage, double agents, corporate backstabbing? In a way, Josh, it's about understanding that not all threats are external. Just like in those suspense movies sometimes, the person you least expect, someone within, might pose the biggest risk. The outside world with its hackers and cyber criminal organizations is undoubtedly dangerous, but imagine the damage potential of someone who already has the keys to the kingdom. Hmm, kind of a chilling thought. <laughs> I mean, I remember when the Capital One breach made headlines, and it was like watching a domino effect, where the trust in one institution after another seemed to wobble. Uh, the realization that a well-established financial entity like Capital One was vulnerable made me reevaluate the way I viewed cybersecurity. And rightly so. The Capital One breach is a case study that challenges many preconceived no- notions about cybersecurity. It's not always about the flashiest technology or the strongest encryption. Human factors play a colossal role. Trust, behavior, psychology, all of these come into play in the world of digital all of these come into play in the world of digital protection. So, are we saying that even with the best tech out there, the human element is often the weakest link? Because I mean, it sounds fascinating and quite frankly kind of alarming. In many cases, yes, and it's why today's exploration is so crucial. While we've delved into the external threats in previous episodes, today is all about understanding and mitigating those internal vulnerabilities, whether it's an intentional harm, like in cases of corporate espionage, or unintentional missteps like mishandling data. The insider threat is multifaceted. Kind of excited to get into this one, so uh, (laughs) I feel like it's going to be packed with information, so let's just get right into it. Absolutely, Josh. Hold on to your seat. We are diving deep into the Capital One saga and understanding the intricacies of insider threats. All right, Austin, with our introduction setting the stage, it's time to dive deep into this breach. Capital One is a household name. Their credit cards are in millions of wallets, including mine. I've got a Capital One card. I think most people probably do. How exactly did a breach of this magnitude transpire? The weight of the Capital One breach isn't just in the numbers, but in the intricate details that led to it. In 2019, over 100 million individuals had their personal data exposed, but it's the how and why that really stand out. Yeah, I recall some murmurs back then. It was a blend of tech tech jargon and intrigue. Uh, There there was talk about an insider being involved, right? Spot on, Josh. While the breach was executed by Paige Thompson, who was not a Capital One employee at that moment, her past role with Amazon Web Services, which housed the Capital One database, played a pivotal role. 
She leveraged a misconfigured web application firewall, enabling her to run commands almost as if she was part of the system. So put that into into layman's terms for our listeners out there. Like, So what exactly does she have access to then? Of course. Uh, so imagine a high security building. Now, while most would-be burglars wouldn't know the first thing about bypassing the complex security system, a former security consultant for the building might know of a hidden back door or an overlooked weak spot. Thompson, with her prior knowledge, found and exploited such a digital back door. And that's the crux, isn't it? It wasn't about the Capital One blatantly ignoring security, but rather a small chink in the armor being exploited by someone with a unique set of keys. Exactly. Thompson's external position during the breach, combined with her insider knowledge, muddies the waters of typical cybersecurity classifications. It's a stark reminder that the demarcation between internal and external threats isn't always clear-cut. So while companies beef up their, their walls against external threats, they, they might be overlooking potential threats that are familiar within, with their inner workings. That's the gist. As technology evolves, the overlap between insider knowledge and external threats becomes more pronounced. Companies must recognize that vulnerabilities can arise from various quarters, disgruntled employees, former staff with residual access, or even contractors who once had deep access to systems. Kind of a sobering thought, the idea that in some ways the the enemy might have once been within the gates. <laughs> it's It speaks to the evolving complexity of cybersecurity and the need for constant vigilance. Absolutely. And, and while technology plays a big part, it's equally crucial to ensure that organizations have stringent processes in place, conduct regular reviews, and foster a culture of cybersecurity awareness. So this has been an eye-opener, Austin, and I'm looking forward to our next segment, where I hope we can glean some insights on how businesses and individuals can defend themselves against such intricate th- threats. And I promise you, Josh, it'll be illuminating. The world of cybersecurity is as much about people and processes as it is about technology. All right, Austin, I'm, a, I'm absorbing everything we've discussed about insider threats, and I'm realizing that the magnitude of the challenge so for businesses out there, how can they arm themselves against such elusive adversary? Your realization hits the nail on the head, Josh. Fighting insider threats is like weaving a, a protective tapestry where each thread, each measure adds strength to the whole. That's an interesting analogy. So where do we start weaving? The first thread we pull is user access control. Think of it as the basic pattern of our tapestry. Every individual in an organization is granted specific permissions not a bit more than they require to do their jobs. The rule of thumb, the least privilege approach. Tailor access according to roles. For instance, your marketing team doesn't need the same privileges as your IT team. Yeah, it's all about ensuring everyone has the the tools that they need, but no more. Precisely. Now, with the pattern in place, we bring color with data classification and mapping. Companies are awash with data right now, but not all data is created equal. Some are more sensitive, more, more crucial than others. Hence, classify the data. You've got public data, internal, confidential, restricted, and then map out where each data type is stored. This makes it easier to erect suitable protective measures. It sounds so systematic, yet incredibly intricate. It is, but remember, a well-woven tapestry is both beautiful and robust. Next, we introduce texture with tools like data loss prevention. So DLP, picture DLP as the vigilant protector that keeps watch over all the data threads. 
Should a thread look like it's about to unravel or be pulled out, data being leaked, DLP intervenes. A guardian of sorts, ensuring the the tapestry remains intact. Exactly. And enhancing this protective texture is user and entity behavior analytics, or UEBA. It's, it's like a sentient weave. Rather than just following a static pattern, Ueba evolves, learning the usual flow of the tapestry and alerting us when something doesn't fit. An unexpected tug or twist in our data threads, Ueba will let us know. Uh, so it's an adaptive security tool, always on its toes. Right on point. Now, while these tools form our tapestry's design, the quality of the weave itself is uplifted by training and awareness. Just having the best threads and patterns isn't enough. We need skilled weavers, employees who understand the value of the tapestry and work diligently to maintain its integrity. Education is one of my favorite things, and it sounds like that and alertness go hand in hand. Undoubtedly. And this brings us to instilling a culture of responsibility. It's one thing to know about the tapestry's value and another to feel responsible for it. And this sentiment should resonate from the top brass to the newest recruit. Every individual is a guardian. So from what I gather, it's a mix of having the right tools, understanding, and ethos. Absolutely. And finally, as the tapestry evolves, when old threads are replaced or new patterns emerge, there's a need for a stringent exit procedure. Uh, As employees transition out, ensure they leave no loose threads, reclaim access rates, retrieve company devices, and ensure a smooth, risk-free transition. The whole tapestry analogy really brings the vastness and complexity of the topic to light, I think. Protecting against insider threats isn't just about tools, but it's a holistic approach. It's all interwoven. And as we move into our next segment, remember, while tech fortifies, it's the human touch that truly safeguards. A beautiful note to conclude on. Stick around, folks, as we delve into the nuances of securing your mobile devices. So, Austin, as we've discussed, our smartphones are like personal treasure chests, and the wealth of information they contain is invaluable. Now, you've mentioned a pin for screen lock, but let's emphasize the importance of choosing a strong, unpredictable pin, something that can't be easily guessed, like 1234 or password. Absolutely. So your phone is a fortress, and a strong pin is like having an intricate lock on the front door. A pin like 1234 is akin to leaving your front door unlocked. You wouldn't do it with your house, don't do it with your phone. You want to make it unique, make it personal, and most importantly, make it strong. I mean, depending on where you live, you might leave your front door unlocked, but (laughs) either way, it's great advice. So uh, let's dive into some more tips on device security. I've heard about something called two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication, which we've talked about in in previous episodes in relation to like devices like computers and stuff, but uh, let's go over it a little bit for for mobile devices. Yeah, so uh, with mobile devices, two-factor authentication adds an extra layer of security. It typically involves something you know, password, something you have, like a temporary code sent to your phone. The phone is the something you have. Enabling 2FA or MFA on your mobile apps, especially for sensitive accounts like email, banking, it's a smart move. Sounds like a no-brainer. So what else can we do? You can enable biometric authentication. So fingerprints, facial recognition, where available. It's, it's a convenient and secure way to unlock your phone and apps. However, there are pros and cons to consider. Biometrics are convenient, but they can also have limitations. For instance, using biometrics for uh, app authentication after you've already logged in can add an extra layer of security, preventing unauthorized access if someone tries to use your face or fingerprint while you're asleep. 
That's a clever approach. <laughs> what about uh, those annoying app permissions? Uh, how do we manage them? Yeah, app permissions. Often overlooked, but critical. Regularly review the permissions you've granted to your apps. For instance, does the flashlight app really need access to your location? If not, I'd revoke that permission. Uh, my flashlight app absolutely needs access to my location. <laughs> it tells me so all the time. <laughs> but that does make sense. Uh, I guess it's also important to be cautious about public Wi-Fi networks. I've heard those can be kind of risky. Absolutely. Public Wi-Fi networks can be a playground for hackers. If you're on one, avoid accessing sensitive information like online banking unless you're using a VPN. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Remember that VPNs can also be used on smartphones, providing an added layer of security. The VPNs are kind of like the Swiss army knives of cybersecurity for you. You could say that, Josh. They're, they're versatile tools, uh, one element in the toolbox for protecting your data. Great. Anything else we should keep in mind as far as mobile security is concerned? So last but not least, make sure to keep your mobile operating system and apps up to date. Developers release updates to patch vulnerabilities, so keeping everything current is essential. Comprehensive list of tips, as always, Austin. Let's, uh, let's clear that securing out. It's, it's clear that securing our smartphones isn't just a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process. Exactly, Josh. Mobile devices are a big part of our lives, and safeguarding them should be too. But as we wrap up, remember that cybersecurity is an ongoing journey. In our next episode, we'll explore a new facet of digital security, so stay tuned for more valuable insights. Looking forward to it. Until next time, everybody out there, have a great day, and uh, stay cybersecure and cyber safe. Thanks, everyone.